Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, we, um, I, I will read a, a verse of scripture to you and it says this. And now, and this is 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22, and it says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord Jesus. It is very, very important, absolutely important, that we understand the principle of spirit, soul, body. You and I need to understand this. We are not body, soul, spirit. Now, I'm not talking in a case of semantics, but rather it's an incredible thing to understand. Because when we can understand that we are spirit, soul, body, therefore the spirit came first. The spirit started first. The spirit began first. Now, I could take it, and one of the big things that we have a real problem with in our world today is abortion. And a lot of people... uh, uh, they, they have liberalized it and they have made abortion so easy and uh, getting rid of human life. And some people have abortion because of various reasons, uh, reasons, particularly medical reasons and so on. But if we can understand really the spiritual body and, and, uh, and then understand what some things in abortion, it has an incredible impact because anything that came from God has never, ever been lost. Let me make this very clear. Whatever comes from God will always go back to God. And that's very, very important because it's not about getting a baby and just before it's born and aborting it and dumping it. That baby at the moment of conception took on a life. And that life came from eternity and that life doesn't just go into a dustbin. Its body will go into a dustbin, but its life will go on and live forever in eternity. Now, that's liberating for a lot of people because of the worries. And I know people who get into guilt and condemnation and fear, and then also because of what people do and the world does it. Sin comes and destroys something. What happened is, and it's such a tragedy, because that little life never had the opportunity of expressing Jesus in the world. They never had the opportunity to express through their soul what they were ordained to be. And therefore, for you and I tonight, I want to tell you something. In this life, there are no accidents. We are here by the divine purpose of God. We are here because God wanted us to be here. When you just think that millions and millions and millions of little soldiers went like the wind and you won. Do you see how strong you really were? Do you realize how many you beat off? By just getting to be there so you could be here tonight. We are very significant. The world in its wars and its troubles, its abortions and everything else discards people so very quickly. But in the sight of God, everybody is so incredibly significant. Amen. Growing up as a child, my father made it clear that I was a mistake. I want to tell you something. There are no mistakes in God. Amen. God designed that I would be on this planet, that I would be in this church, 
that I would be preaching this message and he designed the day I'd be born and he will design the day I go out. Amen. We're on his life. Glory to God. So we start, and, and, and I'll just draw this. We're going to try to flash it on there for a moment to see. But what we need to just see is the way we look at God, and it's very important, because eternity has no beginning and no end. There isn't a line down there. It comes in and it goes in. God dwells in the eternity of the eternities. I was with him from the foundations of the world. And I came into life from eternity and I came in through in an eternal line and at some point I hit a place called time. And at one point I have a slot. I don't know how many years it will be, but that slot will change and then I will go back into eternity again. And so now I have a little time. Now, God does not dwell in time. Time dwells in God. And so he's not caught up into our time frame. Our time frame is incredibly important. What we do, what we wear, where we go, how we live. And we see, and you, 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 some of you young people look at me and think, man, he's getting on that bloke. <laughs> the truth is, I'm actually getting younger because I'm about to be rebirthed at some point into another life and I will go on into eternity. But in this life, God has chosen as he made Adam. He made Adam, he was a spirit, came in and God put a body around him and then breathed into him to give him an expression into the world. And God made him a living soul. We get locked in so easy to the little time frame and it's all so big. But God looks from eternity. Let me tell you tonight, God is not looking at you from your time frame, your reference of life and what you see and your circumstances and your problems and your difficulties. God is not looking from your perspective. That's why I need to get in the Spirit and tune into His connection and the perspective that He has. People often say, brother, you've got to look up. You've got to look up. No, 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 no. No, I need to look down because I'm seated in heavenly places and I'm looking down, not down into negativity and depression. I'm looking down to see how God sees things rather than the way I see things by trying to look up. Do you see? What I have been given in this life and what you've been given, do you know one of the things that I love in traveling around the world, I've gone to many countries many times, one of the things that I love is going into another culture. I love cultures. And I love to see how the universal Jesus illustrates himself through another person's culture mind, will, and emotions like nobody in the whole world will ever do. I illustrate and express Jesus uniquely. Something some people think queerly. <laughs> some young guy, when I'm coming in tonight, some young bloke says, are you from Ireland? I says, well, I am indeed, <laughs> to be sure. I said, well, are you from there? No. 
What do you want to know? He just wanted to connect with me. <laughs> I, I can understand that because any, anybody wants to rub shoulders so they can get a bit of Irish off them. Now, <laughs> thing, <clears throat> that, but you know what? See, my expression will be like nobody else's. And that's why I delight. I love what I do as a temperament therapist as well because I love sitting with people and just watching and understanding how they tick. See how they operate. See the way they think. In my earlier theology, the big thing about that was that people were expecting everybody to be thinking the same. But the great thing about it tonight is God is not in the, the cookie-cutting business. And there isn't anybody like you, and there's nobody like me in the whole world. And some people say, oh, praise God for that. We don't need two of you. Well, I wouldn't want two of me either because I don't want any opposition. I don't want any competition. Amen. So there's just me. And if you don't like me, you're not going to get another one. So just like me. Amen. And if you can't like me, just love me. Because at least you're committed to that. Now, I don't like the way you talk. Well, amen. I'll take you on some education lessons and we can talk the way I talk. Just because people get jealous of Irish people. We, so when I know that, then God, God is always meeting me. And that's why it's so important to see from his perspective. Do you know that the more you can see and understand that God does that, and one of the things that God will do, and this is so important, because God does not live in time, it means that he can see our end from our beginning. We can only see the moment and the present, but when God's looking into your life, he sees your end, your beginning, it's all in his hand, and he's looking at it from a very big picture. Isn't that good to know? Amen. So he's got the whole plan, and so he's looking at me from the very end, and he will permit and prevent, as he watches from eternity, he will permit the things that will fulfill my desire for knowing him, and he will prevent the things that will hinder that desire. God's always working at bringing me in that my soul will be the expression of the life of Jesus. Do you see, my spirit does not express to you what the life of Jesus is. My body only works and functions according to an inner life. So when I, I remember when I first came in as a young guy, you know, and I'm coming out of a worldly situation and everything else, and I came in, and in those days, I mean, they really had some really Holy Ghost meetings, and some things were happening that was mind-boggling. And this lady, she was praying in the Spirit, and, and she had a very, very big double chin, And she got excited in the Lord. And she really got stirred up and excited. And she's going. And when she got going, it fascinated me. Because I was going. And I'm looking at this lady. And I don't want to condemn her, but it looked like a turkey. And I thought, my goodness. So I says to somebody, I said, what, what's going? What, what is that? And you know what they told me? Here's somebody coming in from outside and they told me it was the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm going to hold my throat. So the Holy Spirit is actually 
like a gobble of gobble. <laughs> you know, that was not a wise thing to tell somebody. That that's the whole, no, no. That lady, and I'm not condemning her because we, we can all drop down here. But, but I'm not condemning the lady, but it was an expression from her soul through her body of the work of the Holy Spirit within. And when the Holy Spirit gets hold of us, some people criticize and ridicule, oh, that they shouldn't be doing something like that. People wouldn't do that. And there's some people, and you can see them, and they're standing like this. Just like old wet hens. <laughs> but do you know something? We try to motivate them to make them do what we don't do. But do you know somebody could be standing like this, holding their hands, and be as motivated in God as the person doing this? Because... Different personalities, different types of people express very differently the work of God within. And it's very important to be yourself. I, I, I do believe there's times when people say, just raise your hands and praise the Lord. And I'm fine with that and I will do that because we want to do collectively and join in. But when I go to some places, it's all the time, put your hands up, put your hands down, stand up, sit down, put your hands up, put your hands down. You know, I, I think, man, I'm not a parrot. I really would like to worship God the way I am free to worship God. I just want people to lead. Because you know why? Worship is not something you lead. Worship something you let. We are normally worshipers. And the moment my spirit comes alive, it catches my soul. And the moment it catches my soul, my soul comes alive by the work of the internal spirit. And now I begin worshiping God. And my expression is like nobody else's. And whether I pray, you know, I was, <laughs> there's one church and here's how they praise God. That's everybody. You know, the subcultures that we develop. Well, I discover the spiritual meaning of that. And the spiritual meaning of that is that they said to put your hands right up in the air was offensive because of B.O. <laughs> so to prevent people being affected by the B.O., you only went half mask. <laughs> well, I... I, it might have been a whole lot better if we had had the session from last week being taught to them that they could give out some deodorant at the door or do something that would have helped people so that they could express themselves the way they want to. Do you know, I want to come to church and I want to express myself exactly the way I am, the way I'm made. Sometimes I wander and I go across there and I'll go across there and I'll wander around everywhere and I sometimes get lost in the whole thing. I'm not really caring about anybody else or what anybody else is doing. It's their business before God that my soul, my mind, will and emotions will praise God and worship God in the way that He has it exclusively and uniquely created me. Be free to be yourself. Amen. So that whatever's going on in your side, in the Holy Spirit, in your spirit, let your soul have its expression. Because being yourself, your soul is the expression of the Holy Spirit. And my body actions, whether I was, and I, I mean, I, I hope you don't think I'm offensive to the dear old lady. But it was just that her body was so affected.
affected by the joy that she was experiencing, the life that she was experiencing, it wasn't that her chin was jumping up and down with the Holy Spirit. It was just that her body reacted from the soul's expression of the blessing of God resting upon her from the Spirit. Do you see that? Now, I think I'm going down another line and I'm going to miss. We get a clock. Oh, Jesus, help me. I need to know that because we finished this morning and the last verse we finished was with Psalm 103 and David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. My soul is what magnifies the Lord. The Bible says that in, the, in Luke chapter 2, it says that Mary rejoiced in her spirit she believed in her heart and she magnified the Lord in her soul. There's your area. There's your ministry. You rejoice in the Spirit, but you believe with your heart and whatever you believe in your heart from what you're being rejoicing in the Spirit, you can magnify the Lord. And you know what? When we get at something that the Holy Spirit touches us and the Holy Spirit ministers to us and things happen to us, the next thing I know, oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. David was a really, a real radical. In the kind of temperament that he had was a feeler thinker. You know what? Are there any people here you ever get into a mood? Good mood, bad mood, anybody in moods. Don't tell me you're not moody people because I know you are. You're on this planet with me. <laughs> Here's one of the good things. Feeler thinkers of any temperament, feeler thinkers are moody people. Man, you can meet them one day and they're in top of the world praising the Lord. Happy and rejoicing and smiling and personable. And they want to hug you and they want to talk to you and they want to share with you. And then you go talking to them a bit later on and they say, don't, don't talk to me. Leave me alone. I don't feel like it. And now they have changed. Let me tell you something. Feeler thinkers out of every temperament are the most moody type of people. David was. That's why David has a psalm for every mood you've ever been in. <laughs> Amen. So if you're down and you have a bad mood one day or you have something going on, just go to the Psalms. There's one for you. There's one tag right for you. That's why they're written there. But let me tell you something. One of the greatest secrets that David found was to move into an area of blessing the Lord. And he would speak to his soul. Spring up a well within my soul. And sometimes our soul gets dampened by the external world dictating to us. The soul is the middleman. The spirit is on the inside. The world is on the outside. And the spirit wants to activate my soul. And the world wants to shut it down. And do you see what I have to do sometimes is take that scripture, spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well and overflow. Spring up a well, flow out through me. Spring up a well, set everybody free. Amen. I have to speak to my spiritual well that's gone into my soul from the influences of the outside. The world wants to shut you down. Stop you. That's where the moods come. 
The feelings come. They come from the outside. They come to the inside. Emotions. Are there anybody in this meeting emotional? One way or another you are. You can't be a vacuum on two legs. You'll fill out with some sort of emotions and you fill out with emotions from heaven or you'll fill out with emotions from hell, but you'll fill out with emotions from somewhere. But some of us got very emotional and some people, because the soul is the mind, will and emotions. And so some people in this meeting are more dominated by their mind. And in their soul area, they are more A-grade students. They are more intellectual people. They are more processing people. They can go into obsession and, and, and analyzing every tiny little thing, thinking about every tiny little thing. They're the most predisposed to getting depressed, most predisposed to get into anxiety. They've got a big, huge playground between their ears. And all these monkeys up in there jumping around everywhere, trying to tell you how you should be and how you should feel and what should be going on. And you know, and, and some of you will know this, that you lie down at night and you think, shut up, let me get to sleep. <laughs> now you can shoot them. Of course, that'll fix them, but it'll fix your expression too. So the thing is, the better thing is to do is to re-educate them. Now, my job and what I do is re-educating. So my work as a psychologist, although I really absolutely want to declare this, there is not a single problem the presence of Jesus can cure. Everything must go back to him. Anything that I do and whatever I do has to finally go back to him. But my work as a psychotherapist or psych and psychologist, is to make sure that I'm going to look after people's soul. I want to look after their mind. I want to look after their emotion. I want to make sure where they are going and their determination and the point of control. So some people are very hard in their head. They, they think about things and they wish they could stop thinking so much and they can get negative about life and so negative. Do you know what I need to do then is I need to take on the scriptures like Philippians 4, 8, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are upright, whatsoever things are of a good report, if you must obsess, this is how you do it. Yeah. Amen. Because the people in this meeting tonight and you're obsessive. You don't obsess in your spirit. You don't obsess in your body. You obsess in your soul. And the soul can become a place of obsession that stops the beautiful expression of the life of the Spirit taking you into the world that you can express Christ out to your community. The enemy wants to use the soul to neutralize your effectiveness in where you're on this planet. We're not here to cruise through. We are here uh, oh, this morning, pastor said this morning, I thought I, thought I was in the Presbyterian church again. <laughs> well, he did. He quoted from the Shorter Catechism. You know the Westminster Shorter Catechism? The very, first, the very first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? And the answer, he gave it this morning. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more miserably. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with your spirit. The problem and the body can collapse and break down and do all those things that the body will do. But let me tell you something. From the medical side of the world, we've got to do 
cross over into the medical world. But in some of my colleagues, medical doctors and so on, do you know they tell me this? 80% of people who are on antidepressants should never be on them. And so many people are suffering physiological problems and they're psychosomatic. You understand what I'm talking about? Psycho's the soul. Somatic's the body. And they begin in the head. That's why I have to adjust my mind to seeing my world, my circumstances, my situations from a God perspective and know that he works all things together for good. I need to be able to understand that because otherwise I fall into the old... And, and the, the doctor's surgery, people get genuinely sick. And it, it was amazing... Pastor Kath was saying about getting dengue fever, and, 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 I'm, and I thought, boy, I was rejoicing with her because I go into Asia a lot and do stuff there, and that dengue fever is bad. Only recently, somebody I know very, very well, a little girl just died with it in Asia, and, and uh, it was a miracle. Your recovery was incredible. And you know what we do? get the, Because the world around us, and more and more, because of processed foods and all the stuff you had heard last week, so I better not attempt to try that stuff. But do you see this? People are, and there's some illnesses. But you know what? There's a lot of people sick because they're first sick in their head. And that is in not just they have a mental obsession, but because in their soul, that is the whole central being in the mid-person. Oh, we, we should use the... You know, let me move this for a minute... Let's try the first slide about the body, soul, spirit, if there's somebody up there. Because, actually, I see that. I'll, I'll, I'll. <laughs> Ashari, Ashari, she's a great girl, that. Oh, thank you, Pat. You did a wonderful job. She's so patient with me. She was trying to interpret me while she was trying to fix the problem. <laughs> then Daniel comes up, and I said, you are such a great girl. You're such a wonderful girl. And he's keeping saying it, and I'm thinking, why is he keeping going on about how good she is? I'm the one that's saying it. Then he, he wanted me to know, but she's the girl I'm dating. <laughs> I said, oh, man, you're punching above your weight. Oh, man, these young fellas, you think I only came down yesterday. Now, <laughs> what I want you to see is some expressions of the soul. We'll start from here. We'll see how we go. I need to, to uh, the best thing to do is probably five minutes before I'm supposed to finish, maybe the best thing to do is to get a, 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 one of those people that started this morning to give me a hint. And so if you, if you do that for me, because I'm going to go to as far as I can go with this. Are you doing all right with this now? Because one of the things is, temperament is the greatest thing, one of the greatest things that I've ever learned. Back in my theology, back in my theology, uh, um, in legalism and that, one size fitted all. But one size does not fit all. And that's what makes, you're not up already. Where are you going? Oh, for goodness sake. I said, five minutes before. <laughs> she must think they're going to be some big altar call or something. <laughs> that poor girl's not tracking with me at all. 
you've only started and she's playing and maybe she's sick of the thing already. <laughs> One of the things that we're talking about is understanding how man's made. Man's made a triune being and we're going to go through this really quickly and then we're going to see where we go before the music comes. This is the one that we were just quoting, 523. Spirit, soul, body. It's the biblical model of man. Let's go to the next one. Thank you. Now, the Bible says man was born. See, he started spirit. Man was born vitally connected to God. Let me tell you this. Every single person on this planet, regardless of how much they're abusing it, every one of them belongs to God. No matter how evil they are, how bad they are, every human being on the planet is a creation of God. There's nothing wrong with the casters. <clears throat> I want you in the prayer line when we finish. I, I cannot believe it. Nearly anywhere I speak, there's always a difficult person. Now, <laughs> man was alive in the spirit. Man connected in the spirit. Man did incredibly good in the spirit. Man was wonderful in the spirit. Do you know this is a really interesting thing? We have, we have a fallouts with our mate. Uh, there are some people here tonight, you're married, Yes. And young Daniel thinks it's going to be the most wonderful thing in the whole world. <laughs> Youth and beauty pass away and we don't have long to stay. Amen. <laughs> Do you see man's born connected to God? And that's what's really vital. And Adam is going well. Adam's enjoying Eve. They're connecting with God. They're in fellowship with God because my spirit's what connects with God. They're in fellowship with God. They're having a great time with God. They're wonderful relationship with God. Everything is so incredible. And then, and then the Bible says, God said to them in the day you eat, because God made them with choice. And he said, in the day that you shall eat. Here's a very important thing for married people. Do you know that Adam was the very first person to blame the woman. How many men since then have not said, it's a woman you gave me, if I hadn't have married her? Do you know, here's something significant in our lives as married people to drop this into you from a soul area, spirit area. Adam had an incredible relationship with his wife. And then he blamed her. How could he blame her? She's the best woman in the world. <laughs> he couldn't find another one around the corner. And now Adam blames his wife. Let me tell you this. In disagreements and in arguments, let this be a way in which you can know as an indicator that you're in trouble. Because Adam fell out with God before he fell out with his wife. 
And when you fall out with your mate and you fall out with your partner, you can be dead sure that you need to stop there and realize that your spirit is totally connected to God and something happened in the soul that created a spiritual disconnect and you disconnected between her and in your soul, you start blaming your partner and you start blaming them and it's their fault and they did it and they caused it. But let me tell you something, nobody but nobody is responsible for your soul's health. Nobody is responsible for your happiness. Not another single being, not my wife, not your husband, not anybody is responsible for your happiness. My happiness has got to be within myself. Today, we live in a world of codependency. People are milking their emotional needs out of other people believing that they can meet them. But do you see Adam blames his wife and she was the best woman and then he had fallen out with God. Let me tell you, next time that you've fallen out with your wife or your husband, stop right there and realize you've fallen out with God. Get back with God and you'll fall back in with your mate. Amen. This is good marital counseling in case that's going anywhere. (laughs) So now what we do is the moment we break with God, what we do is we leave a place of dependence and we move into a place of independence. Independence comes from the soul. And that's why in this meeting tonight, there are people classified, there's thousands of blendings, but there are people classified who are thinkers, that is, you do most of the work in your head, and then there are people who are highly emotional and get all completely stirred up about anything and everything, and then there are people who are so determined, so in control, so independent, they're going to do their own thing regardless. And it's my soul that now begins to create the problems in my life that throws me out of line, imbalances me from living out of the life of the spirit nothing wrong with my spirit it's down in my soul do you see that and so what happens is man now he's born that but then God says if you die if you do this you'll die let me make this one statement very clear we live in an incredible world of independence There's one thing that all the devil wants you to do. This is the only thing he wants you to do. No matter what the temptation is that you may be predisposed to in your flesh, no matter what it might be, here's the only thing the enemy wants. He don't care if you're a liar, a thief, an adulterer, a drug addict. He don't care what he makes you to be. Here's the one thing he wants you to be. And even as a believer, he wants to do this for you. He comes in the garden and he says, and he comes in the garden and he says to God, he says to to Adam and he, he says, you don't need him up there. You can do this all by yourself. And at that moment, man was leaving his place of utter dependence on God to become independent. May I make this statement to you tonight? In a world of independence, wholeness is only found in dependence. If I want my soul to be whole, it will not be because I'm determined to do my own thing. Out of my soul that my will is telling me, this is what I'm doing. I don't care what he thinks or what she thinks or what they do or what they think. You know what? We talked this morning about the heart saying amen. Bowing down because my soul wants to dictate terms. My will wants to dictate terms. I'm doing it my way. I want to do it my way. And there's a lot more people than just Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Everybody, it's my way. No, no, it isn't my way. Let me tell you, your way will never bring wholeness. 
because the soul is always going to be bankrupt. The soul is never going to enjoy fullness. The soul is never going to enjoy fruit because the soul is utterly dependent on God. And so all the enemy wants to do is to cut the umbilical cord. If I can cut the umbilical cord and stop you depending on God, being resourced from God, then your soul will start to starve. And when your soul starts starving, you can't live with an empty soul. You can't live with a starving soul. And so what he does, he'll get you then to go somewhere else trying to fill that deep void. Like Pascal, the scientist and philosopher says, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. And it will never be filled by any created thing but only by the Creator made known to us in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you tonight, the most important thing in wholeness, holistic wholeness, is that you're connected to the Divine One. Don't let the enemy cut the umbilical cord by trying to take you into independence because now you need to bow because bowing is not negative. Bowing is having everything that I need supplied by my spirit into my soul that gives me a big fat soul that says, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, okay, let, let's go. <clears throat> now, here's, what we, here's something very, very important. Because now, here is, is, I'm now dead to God. He dies, he's dead to God, independent from God. And he's got inner needs now that only can be met by God. Here is man's greatest needs. Man's greatest needs is for love, acceptance, assurance, significance, security, and rest. We can't, we can't live without them. We need them in every part of our being. Yes? You need these. Here has God trapped humanity. Here is why the enemy's lies about independence will never work. Because God made sure that he had the monopoly. You know why? Because these needs are spiritual needs and God only put them in my spirit so only God could meet them. And you, listen, you can go wherever you like. You can try as much as you like. You could go into sin and indulge in sin. You could try all the pleasures that the body would like and that the soul goes after. But let me tell you, you would be the most miserable person on the planet. Because now, I need love. But you see, people have so abused love, misinterpreted love. Take, is love a wonderful thing? I've been in fights with my wife, and I know that you would, yeah, I know that you wouldn't understand that because I'm such a lovely guy, and I don't know why somebody would want to ever do that to me because I'm just such a nice person. But my my, my wife and I have had encounters. We we have. <clears throat> and I look at her, and I say, "Honey, just listen to me, please. I was made for loving, not for fighting." <laughs> Amen. Because. We all need, who doesn't like to be loved? Everybody wants to be loved, but our love expressions are different. I know some people when, when you, <laughs> I can tell some people in how affectionately they work from their soul. Whether they're a man, I know people who are thinkers, feelers, and doers and what they need in their emotional life, the kind of love that they need. And they're, they're and remember this, the soul area, the soul area of mind, will, and emotions, which is the personality of the individual, 
overrides gender. And so therefore, we don't just look at a woman's gender and this is what she has got in the areas of love. It may be completely different to that. That's why people are so uniquely different. But I'll tell you something. I know I go to people. Now, I'm a kind of a huggy person. I mean, I'll, I'll hug anything that moves. And, and, and I really will hug. So I'll go up and hug a person. I know when I hug somebody, exactly the expression of their soul, the kind of person that they are in their personality. Because when I hold on to a thinker person and I go to give a thinker person a hug for their type of love and affection and I go to give them a hug, I have just got hold of them for about 30 seconds and I have got two parts like this on the shoulder. And that means out, finish, gone. <laughs> and if I hang on any longer than that, the anxiety levels start going up. You're inviting my space. Don't come in on that. Now, <laughs> I was in one meeting uh, uh, down uh, up in New South Wales, and I went down, there was this young girl, and she's only about 19, sitting down there, and I looked at her during the meeting, and she was in one of the wings over here, but I could see her really getting into the meeting. And when she, when she came, we, I, I had finished, and the pastor was taking me to the door to shake hands and see people, and I'm heading down past that area and she flew out of her seat and she threw herself all over me. She says, you don't know me. And I said, I do not, but you get 20 minutes to stop that. <laughs> because a feeler kind of person and their expression from their soul, a feeler kind of person is like a big Labrador dog. I mean, they just slobber all over you. And you think it's just about time to get out. You get a doer kind of a person and in their soul's expression, when they go to show love and they come up to give you a hug, I'm telling you something, they'll put their arms around you and you know next day you're going to have to see a chiropractor. <laughs> I mean, they just go, oof. And then just drop you and let you go as though you were just a piece of meat they grabbed. It's good for me to know who I talk to. Mind you, I have teased some thinkers by hanging on longer than they wanted me to. But I, I do it deliberately just to get an illustration. <laughs> Even if they don't like me for a while. But the, the, the important thing is our expressions coming out of the soul area. They want love, but everybody has a different definition of love. And here, that little love language book's a wonderful little book, absolutely. But let me tell you this, for a premarital counseling and working with that, actually you need more than just the five love languages because the five love languages are spending a lot of time, and I'm not abusing it or criticizing it, it's a wonderful book, it only handles gender. And let me tell you, it doesn't meet everybody's need. And I sit down with people who do not know the expression of their soul, how to live happy, fulfilled, and meet their love needs deep down inside because they assume it's a gender thing. It's a soul thing. I need to know in my soul, the way God wants me, what the dictionary is in my head because love dictionary in your head is different to the love dictionary in mine. And the interpretation of my soul is through my love dictionary. And so I need these needs. God put them in my spirit. Only God can meet them. And then, and then, because I have not, I've not died in my spirit, I have died to God in my spirit through sin. And now that's why coming to Christ, if you haven't come to Jesus, your life is not in balance. 
You're dead to God in the spirit. And the one dimension that wants to feed your soul is a hundred million times better than the external dimension of the body that wants to bring in body things and flesh things and try to get you fulfilled in your soul. Because let me tell you tonight, if your spirit in the inner is not feeding your soul, then the body will feel it from the outside. Because your soul is thirsty. Your soul has incredible needs. Your soul has a big vacuum. Your soul is a storehouse for so much. I want to have a healthy soul. What about you? Yes, amen. And therefore, we're going to look at this very quickly, but I need to see that, that there, see, God has a monopoly. Isn't that something? Yeah. (laughs) We have to get back to him. You have to go to the source because he alone is the supplier. Amen. He can only supply what you need. Tonight, if you don't know Jesus in this meeting as your personal Savior and be regenerated again in your spirit and connect back with the God who made you, who will also always look after you. If you haven't, tonight is your night to pass from death unto life. Tonight is your night to open up your spirit and say yes to Jesus. And I'm telling you what, your soul will love you. Because your soul will be satisfied in a way that no other thing in this world can satisfy. Your soul will be satisfied from the Spirit. And that's why, you know when, you know when we close the door to his life as believers, we're the most miserable people in the world because only he can supply the inner needs. You need to keep it open. You need to keep the door open. You need to keep the umbilical cord going. Amen. So tonight, this might be your night for passing from death unto life and find a whole new dimension that you never knew. A dimension that God has created in you that Pascal said is like a vacuum. And you have searched and you have longed. It's like the song said, I searched for him and knew not what I searched for. I longed for him and knew not what I longed for. Then I found Jesus and I knew that I would search no more. He filled the longing deep in my soul. Amen. Amen. See, it's finding it in the soul. Come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your soul. Have you ever heard anybody making that expression? Oh, they're a restless soul. They're really a restless soul. Let me tell you, your soul will be restless until it finds its rest in Christ. Amen. Now, what did we do with it? How are we going? That girl's disappeared now. The poor girl's probably depressed. Somebody can... <laughs> I'm going to have to... <laughs> the, the good thing about my ministry is that I can create my problems. <laughs> if I haven't got anybody to counsel, I just create the problem for somebody to be counseled. <laughs> no, no problem me dropping up business. <laughs> I'm actually waiting for somebody at the box. They've gone off on me too. Now, here they are. Here's what I want you to see. This is very, very important. I mean, we could go on with so many sessions tonight in this. I'm, I'm just that ex- Because I get really excited and I love this and I love the connection that God does and I love the expression. I watched you this morning and you sit here this morning and I watched and I look around you and I've been a public speaker for a long, long time and you were so brilliant this morning. You know what kept me going? You maybe shouldn't do it so well with me because the more I see you engaging, the more I see you hungry, the more I see you leaning in, the more inspiration comes. And I'd never stop. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. I just love 
preaching to hungry people, that you're getting something that you can go out of here and your spirit's rejoicing and your soul is magnifying the Lord and your body is saying thank you so much. Amen. And see, here, here's the trap of all of this, because the trap of all of this is, is that man's dead to God and the spirit, his spiritual needs of these are not being met. And so now man tries to reach outside of himself to meet the needs. Do you realize I, this gives me, and trust that this helps you, it gives me a real compassion for people who are living in sin. So rather than judging, you know what amazes me? Is listening to people condemning people because of sinning. That's what sinners do. They sin. Why are we so concerned and we read about them? Oh, that's horrible. Well, you would be doing it too if it wasn't for the grace of God. Amen. Because, why? Because they're trying so hard. It's not just because somebody's terribly evil. It's because they're trying so hard. Do you see a lot of these young people that are being radicalized? So many of the youth are being radicalized today to war. Do you know what? It's because they have lost purpose and they have lost goal. And they have lost where they're supposed to be going in life. And now they're looking for some sort of a purpose. They're looking for something to give them something in life. Some kind of what? Significance. Even if I have to die, at least my name will be in the paper. And you know, we think that they're just radicalized into some sort of, of, of a terrorist group. Let me tell you something. They're radicalized essentially because they're desperately looking to be filled up on the inside. And only Jesus can meet that need. To die, to just get your name in the paper as a martyr, what a miserable way that is. They're looking for purpose. My heart is to pray with them. My heart is to see them. See, you know what they do? Because they do all these things. This is where people go. They go, are we doing all right? Are we, are we still all right? They stop me because I'll keep going. <laughs> I'm try Now, instead of God meeting my need from the inside, flowing into my soul that makes it a big, fat, happy soul, a contented soul, a joyful soul, a soul that's magnifying the Lord. And I walk through... Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Instead of having that expression, my soul's impoverished. And then I go to these kind of places because I'm dead to God in the Spirit. So it's not meeting me from the inside. And here's where I go. Well, I'm not doing all these things, you understand. That people can so misinterpret things like this. There's only a few of them I'm into. <laughs> I'm actually talking about you, but I didn't want to mention you. <laughs> this is what man does when he dies to God in the Spirit. He tries to meet the need from the outside. And some people do it through porno. Some people drugs and alcohol. Some people will do it through wealth and money. Some people are power and control. Some people are workaholics. Some people are career-minded. Some people are just through family and they milk all their emotional needs from their family. People are trying so desperately to meet their needs. Let me tell you a little story. I had a guy coming to my practice. He's a non-Christian altogether, but this guy is brilliant. I mean, he's so smart. He's in science and technology. He comes into my office. He's got one hour for to see me. And so he comes in, sits down, and I said, well, what would you like to see me about? What would you like to talk to me about? And so he starts talking. 
And he starts telling me about the universe, about science, about technology, about everything. So I just sit back in my chair and I listen. Really didn't have any other option. <laughs> and I listen to him and it's about, we're gone about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. He's still going and he's got only 15 minutes left. He says to me, why are you not arguing with me? I said, should I? He said, well, I know that you're a Christian counselor and all Christians argue with me. I said, oh, I said, sir, I said, it, it, it's very simple. It's really very simple. I haven't a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I said, those Christians that you're talking about arguing with you, they probably know a lot more than I do. I have no idea what you're talking about. And I said, but you know what? I said, oh, I have loved my time with you. I said, thank you so much for sharing with me. And now he's boggled. No idea what he's going to say. And, he, and I said, let me tell you why. I said, when I sat back and listened to your brilliance and you detailing the universe and you telling me about science, I said, my love for my father just increased. You talked about my heavenly father, the creator of heaven and earth, and you told me things I never knew. I said, I am completely floored and deeply indebted to you in gratitude for giving to me insights about my heavenly Father. And now you're going to leave me in this session loving him more, appreciating him more, <laughs> knowing more about him. <laughs> I did. But I looked at him and I said, you know what? I may be stupid, but I'm not this stupid. If you want to come and spend an hour with me to tell me what you know and pay me for it, you can come every day. <laughs> I'm not that stupid. No matter what nationality comes to this country, the first thing no is money. Everybody knows money. And I said, sir, I'm happy. You can come back again, no problem. <laughs> I said, but I'm, I'm concerned about you being here. Maybe we get 10 minutes to go. I said, sir, and I jumped up on the whiteboard and I drew that circle. And I said, sir, you would look down condescendingly at somebody who was doing drugs, somebody who was alcoholic, and you would look down at them and you despise them. I said, but do you know something? You're doing exactly the same as the alcoholic. You're doing exactly the same as the drug addict. You're doing the same thing as people who are into power and money. You are trying to meet a need on the inside, fill a vacuum on the inside through knowledge, but you have already found out. And that's why you're with me, because you've already found out that all that brilliance that you have and that knowledge that you have, there's still a vacuum inside. 
I said, do you see, knowledge will never meet your need. No matter how more degrees you get, no matter how brilliant you become, it'll never meet your need. Do you know tonight, may I say to you tonight, you can try anything and everything, but you will know that in the end it'll never meet your need. You can go as far down that track into the flesh, into the world, into the drugs, into the drink, into affairs, into adultery, into whatever it is you want to do and have all the sex in the world. And do you know something? At the end of the day, you'll still be empty. You're so, your flesh enjoyed it momentarily because it pumped up some of the dopamine into your head and you felt pretty good in the pleasure center of your brain. And the moment that died, it became an addiction to take you for more and you were still miserable and empty on the inside and you needed more to keep filling you up. But if you found Jesus, <clears throat> if you knew him, <laughs> yeah. I know, darling, you got it right now. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Father, we just do thank you for this woman and the blessing of Jesus. <clears throat> I don't know how that woman's been game enough to walk back out. <laughs> I will. I'll, 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 uh, shut up. Now, <laughs> well, there's not much. I, I even got a whiteboard up to do stuff, and it's no good. <laughs> Let me just say tonight, because I do feel this tonight, in this meeting tonight, and in this gathering of people tonight, I don't know you, I don't know any of you, but I just want to tell you, you've come to this meeting. Why? You've come because there's a hunger. You've come because your soul reaches out and your soul wants to be satisfied. Your soul wants to rejoice. Your soul wants to be able to magnify the Lord. Your soul is craving and looking for those deepest needs that can only be met from the inside. And let me tell you, you'll not meet them by any external substance, any external relationship, any external place, any external power. It doesn't matter where you go tonight, I can assure you, you will never be fully satisfied until they're met at the foot of the old rugged cross until you're met at Jesus Christ changing your life that you're born again in the spirit and suddenly your spirit comes alive and when your spirit comes alive your soul oh hallelujah and then my soul begins to become the expression of the new life within. And when I used to curse him, and when I used to blaspheme him, and when I felt so bad about him and not like him, and blamed others about him or did whatever it was, now suddenly this new life within me is bringing such a fulfillment and satisfaction within that all my soul wants to do is bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so tonight, this is the night for you to have your soul flowing from the Spirit, flowing like a river, that the peace of God that passes all understanding, the joy of the Holy Spirit shall come into your soul, and your soul will start getting a drink of a heavenly fountain that you never thought was possible. It's joyous to know Jesus because only he in the deepest needs within which your spiritual needs can meet. And tonight you can go from this place a different person. I remember walking after Christ met me on my way to a soccer match as a teenager, and I remember I had never felt so loved. I came out of a very abusive home, alcoholic father, brilliant man, but still alcoholic, and I came out of there, and I was hard, really hard with a murderous heart. But do you know something? The day that, on the way to the soccer match, 
when I had a revelation of the cross of Jesus and the love of Christ, I broke down and I would never cry to let my father see me cry when he beat me because I wouldn't give him the pleasure. But that day, the walls broke down. The hardness broke away. Walls came down. And my starved soul began drinking at a fountain I had never experienced. And I found the love of Jesus. And I knew for the first time in my life, somebody did love me. But they just didn't love me. They loved me enough to die for me. And that my name would be written in heaven. And I would spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Amen. If I don't stop, the whole congregation will be up here. <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> Make what you will of it. No, brother, you, you... God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 